0: Welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, and this is episode 18, and it's very exciting because actually this is kind of moot Season 2. Uh, you may remember the last episode, which was many, many months ago now, in December, I think. Uh, yeah, it must have been, because it was the GBHL final, the Great British Hobby League final, uh, for last year, the finale uh, in uh, Stockport, with uh, with all everyone, loads and loads of people there, with all the finale uh, winners and everything. It's all very exciting. So now it's kind of Season 2. So I guess for you, if you've been waiting and waiting for the next episode of this podcast... Uh, it must have been like you know uh, sitting around waiting for the second season of Firefly. You know you watch the first season, isn't it great? You listen to the whole, all of the end isn't it great? It's brilliant, wonderful. And you're thinking, where is season two? It's going to come eventually, right? Luckily, I haven't disappointed in the same way that Firefly disappointed and never did return although I suppose at least they ended on a high and uh, haven't been disappointed by anyone so uh, that's what's coming up episode 18 of Entmoot Disappointment uh, as we go into the next season of the Great British Hobbit League, Um, obviously you may already be aware on the Facebook groups and pages and all that sort of stuff that there have been a lot of uh, tournaments already in the Great British Hobbit League, I haven't been able to get to any of them Uh, mainly just time and cost and all that sort of stuff, early in the year it's always going to be a bit of a difficulty for me, Um, but that's just the way of it, Um, and I'm very excited to head on over to the next tournament on the calendar which is going to be very exciting this is the one I'm going to this weekend which is called, uh, which is the Ripon tournament, and it's of Dice and Men, you see what they did there, it's very clever of Dice and Men 2020, the cries of war and um, it's actually being run by Will Champion Uh, Will Champion of course in the last episode, the winner of the Great British Hobbit League for 2019, so all very exciting we've got Will Champion, we've got lots of people involved and it's a big 100-pointer tournament which means it's it's one of the uh, if not the um, sort of biggest and, and most important uh, tournaments of the year in the sense that if anyone wins this one they get 100 points towards the league so it's going to bring out the the big guns the very competitive folk but what i love most about this tournament already is is looking through the event pack Will has decided to make this not just a standard 800 point tournament using the pack uh, the sort of the match play guide or whatever um, he's actually put a lot of effort into his tournament rules pack so lots, so much effort that I missed a lot of the bits when I first read it which is it's always good um, quickly I'll mention that some of the things uh, in the tournament they're not using the FAQ the current FAQ that's um phew, Uh, yeah anyway uh, the current FAQ which we don't really like I I certainly don't like it Um, I'm sure it'll come up in conversation eventually throughout the podcast but um, I'm not a fan of the fact that it's punishing um, sort of Thematic army lists like uh, like like I don't know Road to Rivendell. Uh, I, I, I was really excited. I was going to do the Defenders of the Shire, Road to Rivendell, that sort of stuff. I uh, can't have Gildor dropped in stuff anymore. You can't have Gildor and the Hobbits go on the Road to Rivendell. That's annoying. Uh, you can't do lots of different um, armies, including like you. you your Blackgate, uh, uh, Blackgate Evilists, that you can't really do that very well without sort of having ringwraiths in and they weren't really there. So that's annoying. You can't do, um, you can't ally in a ring wraith really anymore like a normal ring wraith because, you know, you have to use the named one, which is stupid because uh, they're too expensive. And also, you know, I don't really think they're very thematic, the, the the GW inventions are half of them anyway. Anyway, there's loads of different reasons why I don't like it but um, I hope that it'll happen. Um, hey, you never know I might bump into Jay in this tournament and be able to ask him stuff about it. I don't think he'll be allowed to be recorded but hey, we'll see what happens. So anyway, um, a little diversion there. Uh, we also won't be using the match play guide um, so there aren't any of the new scenarios sadly but there are some interesting different scenarios so um, I'll quickly run through them uh, because I think it's important to uh, give a bit of a taster at the top of the podcast of what's going to be coming up but obviously we also have uh, the answer to the riddle in the dark from last episode, you've had about three months to work on it so hopefully you get this one, uh, which is a little riddle, a bit of a clip from the movies and I, uh, you've got a chance to guess who it is, who uh, says the next words and things like that, uh, that'll be coming up later we'll also interview the uh, tournament organiser Will and we'll be talking to people um, f- um, playing throughout the podcast as well but first let's have a bit of a chat about the uh, the tournament itself. So this is called Of Dyson Men The Cries of War 2020. So uh, we've got things like Recon, that's the uh, uh, tournament, so there's a lot of movement already we're thinking about. Uh, that's just a normal scenario. Then there's Supply Run, which is a Seize the Prize variant, which essentially is... Um, uh, which essentially got three prizes instead of one, uh, so you've got to basically get one uh, point uh, for get, having one of the prizes on your side two for having it on the opponent's side, three for getting it off the opponent's board and then that's the same for all three of them, so it's all very exciting, um, and there are some slight variants, uh, you dig them up on a five plus but gain one after each turn of attempting uh, you also play to all prizes uh, and play until all prizes are off or both forces are quartered so uh, so there's lots lots of variations there but it's good fun I think that's a good way of balancing it out actually uh, then we've got a whole ground another modified one this has got a uh, slight variance of the points you've got wounding and killing the leader as one or two uh, breaking and being unbroken as well as breaking is one and three uh, then models in the objective uh, more double or triple is three five and seven, and the objective zone is nine inches uh, circle from the center, so it 's much clearer uh, and much more defined. I think i don 't know what the difference is actually there i 'm sure there 's a slight difference, but i can 't remember what the normal one is without looking at my book and fanning around for a bit, so i won 't do that and um, then it 's also a recon deployment, so you move onto to your backboard edge rather than a maelstrom. I like that that 's interesting because it just just means that you 're not all divided up and head rushing for the middle that 's interesting uh, The next day we've got Lords of Battle and we've got Domination as well, but Domination also slightly different. Um, Basically, for the end of each turn, for every objective you hold, uh, mark a point down and when the game ends, count your total number of Domination points and compare it against your opponent. So see who has more, perhaps even double or triple. So I like this because this means that you can potentially sit on an objective um, for most of the game uh, and you'll win it rather than sometimes I feel it's very frustrating if you have an objective all the game and then someone runs off at the end of the tournament and uh, you, or end of the game and you you just you end up going, ah, damn I've, I've lost that one then, so that's annoying um, but if you've controlled the board for most of the game then uh, that seems like a sensible way of doing it but hey, it's good, I like the variants I don't dislike the original, but I do like this uh, variant it's good fun, and then we've also got the Vanguard, Clash of the Vanguard now this, if you've seen the new match play guide it's actually very similar to one of the doubles, um. Uh, uh, doubles ones I can't remember which one it's called I think it might be Divine and Conquer or something um, but basically if you imagine the board it looks a little bit like a tennis court actually or something like that uh, you've got a line down the middle uh, you've got a deployment of 12 in- uh, six inches on each side of that line one is you and the other is opponent obviously um, if you ima- and then you are sort of on the opposite side of the board, but six inches from the center, and also six inches from your side of the board. So, if you imagine looking at it like that, so that's how it's deployed, and then it's all about banners, killing, and broken, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, try and work out a way of describing that. But it looks like, yeah, it looks like he's got a kind of a, a big, big swirling melee in the middle, and then the other half of your army is deploying to potentially trap. Uh, the opposing um, vanguard uh, between your vanguard and uh, your the rest of your army, so that could be interesting, especially with trebuchets. Ooh, ah, teasing you there, right now. So a couple more uh, little little points. Uh, Tournament specific special rules. We've got all army lists must be between thirty and one hundred models and uh, the uh, a time of heroes which is the first time each of your generals spends a point of might roll a dice and on a four plus this might is free note you can't do this with free might points or if you have zero in your store so uh, did I say the points list points I'm not sure I did either way it's 1250 points amazing six games 1250 points isn't this fantastic? So uh, I'm really excited about this because 1,250 points makes it very exciting to build that army list, which is exactly what we're going to do Ask. now. As
1: warrior, build me
2: an army worthy
3: of
0: Yes, we're building an army not worthy of Mordor but worthy of Gondor Gondor, Gondor So uh, I've, I've mentioned in the past and actually if you watch my YouTube channel Battle Games Middle-Earth I did a sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, strategy guide about uh, this strategy basically about all the good reasons to take three trebuchets um, I'll summarise it in brief but I, I am joking in in, a, in the sense that I'm not convinced this is actually a viable strategy but I'm going to give it a go because I think it's going to be good fun. The idea is if you have one trebuchet, you're hitting on fours, right? So uh, your trebuchet scatters. It hits some guy that you don't really want. But if you've got uh, and, and so you're only hitting half the time you're scattering, you're missing things you're not actually hitting the big targets that of course you want to be hitting um, so say you've got an Aragorn and the opposing force you've got half a chance to hit him in the first turn so you might not hit him the first time and then you might scatter away from him when you do hit the second time and then the third time you, he's he's kind of already in your face killing you so not going to happen but if you're 3 you've got a massively in- increased chance of killing someone in the first turn or knocking them off the horse because you know first you've got more than likely at least one trebuchet hitting that's always a good sign but then you've got uh, the potential of getting two or three which is always good because if you hit one it scatters into that guy that someone's left behind the line to um to be hit by a rock then you go okay uh, i've killed that guy but it's fine because i've got two more trebuchet shots now you've got no one to scatter into let's smash uh, and going off his horse that's the idea or better why don't you throw in a bolt throw with swift reload? Yeah, good idea. So let's have a look at my army. So um, I mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago the um, Denethor. Oh, sorry, uh, the time for heroes where you get a, a f- plus four. Um, you get a free point of might, or your might is free, which is annoying because I didn't notice this until uh, I'd already submitted my list. So I'm li- my general is Denethor because he kind of has to be, um, and I think I still probably would go with Denethor in this in this army because. Otherwise, I'm not going to have enough troops. So anyway, let's go with Denethor and some Guard of the Fountain Court. Only got three. Um, I don't know why. I was going to have four because that's the, the theme. But um, I, the maths just seemed to not work out quite right for stuff. So three Guards of the Fountain Court, five Ministerious Warriors with shield... Uh, four minister with warrior with shield and spear and then one uh, warrior with banner shield and spear so uh, we've got a, a good sized warband there we've got uh, 13 models in there which is not too shabby, 13 models then we've got uh, Gandalf the White on Shadowfax so this is a big, big point sink, 240 points. Uh, but it's 1,250, so hey, who cares? Um, then I've got three Citadel Guard bows, four Rangers with spears, four Minister of War- Warriors with shield and spears, and three Citadel Guard with spears. So um, what we've got there, we've got... a uh, uh, contingent of bows, that's the main thing, we've got seven bows, with Gandalf the White, of course with Blinding Light, which is always very exciting uh, so we've got plenty of bows uh, we've got some smattering of Fight 4 as well, which the Rangers in Citadel Guard should be able to help with a low defence of course, but um, standing behind a shield line, which they'll, they'll be sort of mixing up shield, supporting uh, the warriors with shield in Denethor and other warbands, so that's another one that's a big warband, that's Gandalf with... how many is it? Uh, 10, 17... No? Is that, is that right? Like, no, that can't be right. Uh, 14. 14 people. So, uh, then we've also got Faramir, the Mounted Knight of Ithilien. Uh So this is good. This is using my new Faramir model, um, which I got made to order a while back. Um, I converted him with a lance, and shield, he's got the armour everything. So he's got all the stuff apart from a bow... Um, so he's mounted, he looks really cool he's got bluish uh, barding I'm really, I was really happy with that paint job um, I'll put up a photo um, on the Facebook page you may have already seen it actually because it's probably going to go out before this podcast uh, goes so that's cool, I've got him I've got six knights of Minas with shield and I've got one knight with a lance, banner and shield uh, so that's always very exciting so I've got all the gubbins um, that you need seven I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking, I'm, can I have a lance and a banner? I don't know. I might not be able to use the banner and the lance at the same time, but either way, we've got a knight with a banner, because I think it's important to have two banners. Uh, the uh, next list, Hurin. Hurin Mounted. Now, I was I was umming and ahhing about Hurin, or a captain and more warriors, uh, or in gold or something like that, with more warriors, but I think, I think Hurin is the right choice, um, and I'll tell you why, because... Denethor's a rubbish hit leader, um, and he may be a big target, especially in that last scenario where I'm deploying in the Vanguard. He's going to be relatively easy to kill. Huron will prevent um, some of those VPs, which is always exciting to have uh, that backup. Also, Huron's pretty good. He's a cheap 90-point um, mounted hero. Uh, he's got that special sword, so he can he can actually do some damage. Um, he's not going to take any big hitters on, obviously, but um he's not you know he's not bad he's got a strike and he's got some some power behind him so oh, i think that's exciting he's got a couple of attacks and so three in the charge so not bad not bad so that's huren huren mounted then we've got in the final round things off we've got two uh, warriors ministers warriors with shield three with shield and spear and then three citadel guard with spear so um i think you're probably thinking when you're listening to this Ah, you should have more Fountain Court you should have more uh, of those guys I wish I had more Fountain Court maybe in retrospect I probably should have done but the baths seem to work out right also I really like Citadel Guard Spears I love the models I love the the theme of them being there on the walls with with, um, Gandalf and everyone I I just like Citadel Guard a lot more than perhaps I should because they're not Amazing, um, but I like the fight for, and then nine points, so that's not too bad. So there we go. That's that, and then of course the big, the big stuff. I've got twelve models, <laughs> uh, twelve crew, which is uh, on, on the bolt throw with swift reload and three trebuchet. So this, this is a h- hunker, hunker, good stuff. This, uh, three hundred and ten points of siege engines. I don't know how this is going to work. I like to think that this is going to be good. Um, I like to think the blinding light is a great combo um, with. Four siege engines and seven bows, but I just don't know because it'd be great to sort of, you know, compel people out and um, or, or compel you know the the people. Usually, you'll have a, a competitive players will have a random guy dropped at the back to um, sort of get they get hit by a rock. I could potentially compel people like that into range, uh, all these sorts of things. So that would be nice. I don't know, Blinding Light's going to be quite good so I'm l- hoping that people will come to me a lot but then with the scenarios, uh, they're not all going to be like that, um, Lords of Battle I think is going to be a good one for me um, and then do- this Domination pff, it might be alright, I've got some Knights, I don't know, Recon, I've got some Knights to send off, but Recon I'm also going to be playing against Rivendell Knights, I've found out so that's uh, worrying the Caesar Prize is also going to be an issue, but actually I don't mind so much about Caesar the Prize because if I deploy really far back, I can just lob rocks on whoever's coming at me And maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'll be fine. So with that in mind, uh, we'll head off to the tournament in Ripon in a few minutes' time. But first, it's time to catch up with Riddles in the Dark.
1: Riddles in the Dark.
0: Yes, yes, it's time to guess the line from the film and the character, of course, saying those lines in Riddles in the Dark. Now, it's been a while, I realise that. It must have been, oh gosh, it was December when, uh, when I set this riddle. So you've had a good few months to have a think on it. Uh, and I know a few of you have been in touch, but uh, at least you've all had time to think about this. Now, uh, last time I played this clip of audio from The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit films. Yes, yes, tricky one, tricky one, but not too tricky, i found, uh, based on the responses I've had from a few of you. So I'll reveal the answer in just a few minutes uh, and set you a new riddle. Uh, Who have we got in touch with here? We've got Hamish Gentles. Hamish, Uh, thank you very much, Hamish. You say, your love of halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. Ah, but he's not saying that's because of the line that I've said he said "Hmm, two riddles in a row have you something on the brain Harry <laughs> yes I'll reveal the answer in a second and explain more about what he's saying uh, now also we've got who's this this is Russell Priest Russell Priest hello Russell thanks for getting in touch he says the clip is surely Frodo getting stabbed by Shelob so the next spoken line must be Sam with let him go you filth and he says please keep doing the riddles Russell, i will do that uh sadly you're wrong though it is not uh it is not sam speaking next and nor is it that scene although you've got the characters right uh who else have we got here josh devoy josh devoy I haven't seen you in a while uh regular tournament goer I haven't p- bumped into recent tournaments um maybe it's because i haven't been to many of the recent ones uh you said hi there harry glad i finally caught up with all of these podcasts and can finally take part in riddles in the dark Oh, okay, great. So you've you've caught up all the way right to the present day. Excellent stuff. Um, and yes, looking at it, you got uh, got in touch in January. So yes, you've uh, I gave you a bit more time. Uh, it says sounds like to me the following line should be Frodo saying, "I can't do this, Sam." Followed by Sam's iconic, iconic "It's worth fighting for" monologue absolutely right Josh DeVoy well done to you and well done to Hamish gentles you're going to touch as well you said uh, Frodo two riddles in a row have you got hobbits on the brain Harry and it's Frodo again and he says I can't do this Sam but he says I'm not complaining as that's two riddles in a row he got almost instantly well well done Hamish and well done to all of you who had a good think and won and got it right in your head uh, you can give yourself a good pat on the back or as tradition goes in the Great British Hobbit League why don't you buy yourself a Fredo? excellent work I can't do this Sam
3: I know It's all wrong By rights we shouldn't
0: even be here uh, So now it's just time to reveal this episode's riddle
1: I don't <laughs>
0: Yes, that's right. That is the audio for this week. Let's hear it again. Okay, okay, there we go. So who do you think speaks next in that clip from the films? They could be The Hobbit. They could be The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Have a good think. Have a good think. If you think you know the answer, get in touch with the podcast. Endmootpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or you can fire a message on the Facebook post, uh, the Facebook group as well, the uh, the page. Happy to happy to answer any queries about anything that happens in this podcast, whether it's my opinions on FAQs or, or anything or or even the the tournament, or the points uh, list, the exact um, things that I played, anything, anything, get in touch, uh, entmootpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also get in touch on the Facebook page. That is Riddles in the Dark for this week, which means it's roundabout time we head off to the tournament itself. It's ripping on the way, 1,250 points of madness. This really is going to be an adventure.
4: I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure!
0: So, game one of of Dyson Men, the Cries of War, and uh, it's recon, as I mentioned uh, in the up, run up to it. And I've been playing against Mr. Edward Ball. Greetings, Mr. Edward Ball. Uh, hello, Harry. How are you
5: doing, sir? I'm <laughs> very
0: well, thank you. Well, although having said that, uh, after a, a pretty resounding defeat there uh, against your um, Rivendell Knight Army, um, I was I was. Devastated, devastated to not really do very much with the trebuchets. Uh, First of all, summarise your army list for me, and crucially, the inclusion of two spells,
5: I think. So, uh, it's Rivendell knights, of which there are 27. They all have shields, and one has a banner. Uh, They're led by Elrond, and another uh, Rivendell hero, who is Curdon, And then accompanied by the White Council, Saruman, and Gandalf. Of all of those four, they're all spellcasters, but notably quite useful against three trebuchets and an Avenger bolt thrower, it, two of them have got blinding light.
0: Yeah, which of course is a bit of a difficulty when you're wanting to hit things on uh, sixes only. Um, even, even though I did get a few hits, there were a couple of patsies that you dropped out in, in, in the back that I ended up taking unhorsing and things like that. But generally, it was, it was always going to be an uphill battle trying to fight such a mobile army in recon, um, trying to hit you on sixes. But um, What did you think when you saw the trebuchets? Did you fancy your chances?
5: Uh, the army... On any normal board, it's one of those where you go, I'll just run up either side and let you kill me and get, like, a 7-0 win. Uh, however, on the terrain on the board and what we actually played, where there's a... Effectively, it's a, a, cast- a ruined castle, and there's a approximately maybe 18- or 20-inch choke point in the middle of the board with castle walls everywhere else. So running up the sides wasn't going to happen. So it became a very... Uh, slowly, slowly edge up, making sure that minimising the chance of whatever damage trebuchets could do. Yeah, the, a lot of the first oh,
0: half a dozen turns were, were pretty much you um, measuring to make sure, yeah, that guy's in blinding right, that guy's in blinding right, that's in that blinding right. Okay, now there's two-inch scatters between all these. So there were, there was a, it, those moves just took a long time, and they, they, I guess they, they made it just a little bit more tricky for you.
5: Uh, some might say uh, leaning over tables uh, and that kind of precise measurement was a little bit back-breaking, yes.
0: <laughs> yes, it was back-breaking, work, literally. And So what was your aim? Were you trying, you're trying to crack through the middle in, in the end? Because that's kind of what ended up happening.
5: Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned that your army's sort of um, just shy of 60 models. And that it's uh, a lot. But also you go 15 or so of that is siege crew. Yeah, yeah, 12, yeah. So um, you end up with a reduced centre. And then it was just sort of creeping up. And because of the way that the terrain set and a sort of a slight flanking force to the left, you had to counter that, so there didn't actually be, a, there wasn't a huge body of uh, models in the middle, mm. so using Wizards and Elrond and Rivendell Knight bows and lancers uh, it was sort of slowly tickled that a little bit, and then punched through eventually
0: Yeah, and there was that final uh, couple of turns where you just got uh, El- Elrond combatted off and you had a couple of a uh, couple of Rivendell Knights scoot off just to get your three, and, and I kind of gave up the ch- chance pretty early of getting anyone forward, because I knew that if I was moving forward with my knights. My knights would struggle against your, your Rivendell knights and they would never crack through. So I kind of hope to just prevent you getting anyone off the board. And, but your, uh, one of your early early tactics was get rid of Gandalf. Um, it took quite a few turns for all of my armies to actually arrive, but um, Gandalf was a crucial move for you. Um, what, what did you do there? How did it work? So you,
5: you positioned Gandalf... in Well, it was positioned in such a way that it was about... Fifteen inches short of Elrond, Um, you called a heroic channeling on a turn that I had priority, and I've got Saruman and Gandalf, so when Gandalf the White, come here, please. Uh, Gandalf said no, and then Gandalf went, please come here. Gandalf went, okay, and Elrond went, let's go. Um, so that stopped your channeling but also meant that um, Gandalf was out of position Mm. Um, and then I think the following turn having taken Shadowfax that turn managed to surround and uh, do do the killing and at that point it became a a lot easier because Sorcerer's blasts against Knights is, is another problem which needs to be dealt with
0: yeah, that was one of uh, the two things. I, well, three things I really want to do again. I've wanted to put a blinding, channel planning light up, which I, I clearly did in the wrong moment. Um, but also, I wanted to uh, try and maybe snap some staffs um, and or uh, throw people into wizards to make sure they were unseated and have lost that mobility. Failed to do all of them because. That, that command six inch move with Shadowfax brought me well, well within range to be absolutely surrounded and killed but it did take a bit of time for you to actually crack through the main bulk of the force just because I guess they're high defence and there are a few Faramirs and Denethors and people doing annoying things
5: yeah like sort of pulling Gandalf forward ended up forcing the game because the rest of the, the body of your soldiery had to come forward with that uh, and then from that, it was kind of a bit of a meat grinder in the middle. Mm.
0: And it did take quite a while to, to get there. Only only just in the very last turn, getting the third one off. But it did become a 12-0 victory. And sadly, very few trebuchet hits in the end. I think probably four hits. And maybe of those, two actually did any damage? The, the, the,
5: it was a f- brilliant result. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, your, your rolling to hit was poor. Anyway, and then when you did get the sixes, I think you only rolled one natural six and had to use all three might, uh, to get three hits successively. And then the scatters, so there was always a, a fall guy, as it were,
0: yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't manage to get any. And, and I, th- I think the bolt throw, although it got four or five shots per turn pretty much on uh, consistently, um, only once or twice it actually hit more than once. And I think most of the time it didn't hit at all. So,
5: and then when it did hit because your dice were being subpar you were rolling ones and twos to kill yeah. quite often So, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I would, I would, I'd, I'd hate to blame the dice because they weren't actually the case because um, I, I was always fighting an uphill battle against um, hitting on sixes and playing Riverdale Knights which n- just have so many natural advantages over Minnesota. but um, either way Ed well played 12 uh, nil to you and good luck for the
5: rest of the tournament no thank you it was really enjoyable um, please don't bring trebuchets again <laughs> good luck for you as well <laughs> thanks <laughs> game number two bottom table after a
0: 12-nil defeat with the trebuchet, this is the people's table. <laughs> this is the people's table, Jamie. And uh, first of all, first of all, uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about what happened in our game. But um, first of all, to give me an idea of what your army list is. Bearing in mind, this is a 1,250-point list.
6: You've got a lot in it. I have 45 models, all uh, Galadrium and a few Wood Elves, Celebron, Howdy. Fellowship, Aragon Legolas and Gimli, and two captains, and
0: yeah, a few banners, I think you got three banners in the list, which is pretty pretty well 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 done, actually, considering um it was but to take up points, yeah <laughs> take up points, yeah, fair enough but uh, I, what did you think first of all uh, at twelve hundred and fifty points did you uh, was it difficult to fill this many models i mean you've, you put three banners in there, was that that because you just wanted to
6: fill the models? yeah, it was just for model count, that's all it was um I'd like four
0: days to build a list and get it in and paint an army so wow wow so you paint this is an absolutely beautiful army I mean I, I think I've played or seen at least some of your models before but this is, this is on another level considering you've done it a few days yeah um, yeah just
6: had to give uh, the kick for Valentine's Day and put the hobby first <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the way to do it so first of all you, could, you, you turn up on the table you see that you got to play against three trebuchets and a bolt thrower and uh, the minister of the army what did you think I was going to die. Uh,
6: <laughs> I thought I was just going to get a lot taken off turn one, but my marches helped me a lot to get up into your zone to kind of like stop you from pinning me down too much.
0: Yeah, and I think it helped the fact that it was a seize the prize scenario variant where there are three prizes uh, where you get one, two, three for each of them uh, for um, being either uh, getting, having it on your side or the opponent's half or over the board edge so it helped that I had to come forward you had to come forward really quick so there were fewer turns for shooting but that first turn I was thinking great you, you didn't particularly deploy you pl- deployed half of your army with spaces but the other half wasn't particularly spaced out but I rolled all misses in my all trebuchet misses,
6: yeah, all misses so that was that was a bit of a helping hand um, it wasn't a bad start for you no no it, it went pretty well um, Aragon dying turn three
0: I think that that was the the turn that was when I was thinking I think I might have this because I had killed Aragorn was aiming for the central objective and he went into my lines and I managed to surround him with Gandalf and Faramir and a couple of knights and and someone else and and I trapped him got two strikes off and I managed to beat him on the strike Chris was lucky um, and then get him in one go which was which was pretty lucky after having maybe taken a wound off with shooting I think before that yeah. but generally once that happened I thought right okay you've got a lot less stuff that's going to really really scare my big heroes
6: yeah well they held out quite well but Hero for hero, like there wasn't much left at the end of the game.
0: Uh, no. You had
6: Faramir left.
0: Yeah, I had Faramir on his night, who who didn't really get to do a lot. He killed a few guys, but he was mostly pottering around for most of it, wasn't he? Yeah. And you had Haldir and Celebron. Celebron, crucially, in the last turn, killing Denethor. Though.
6: Yeah, he's amazing, amazing um, as well. The uh, captain, the Galadriel captain, he held many rounds of unfair combat, yeah.
0: like four <laughs> yeah. on one. I think it had four on one a few times and he was he was really holding up. But like he did so well because Killebornrne was on the right hand side of that as I was looking at the table for most of the game, and he ended up weaving his way through so made about took about two or three turns to get to the other side of the board to help relieve the the captain who had the objective quite quickly and um, he managed to manage to do the do the deed and get there in quick enough and basically clean up over there
6: yeah well, final result was six five yeah so it, it was pretty balanced it wasn 't an overthrow of everything's dead like I was thinking with the trebuchets so
0: I was pretty happy with it like, yeah what do you think of the variant because Caesar Prize usually just one prize in the middle um, and this, this variant you roll a 5 to get it and it increases Pi 1 every turn so what do you think of that variation
6: I, I like this variation um, it makes it more fairer instead of one arm, whichever army is faster to get that objective if it's a cavalry army they all, always win but this time it's fully fair like you had cav. We both dug objectives. Yeah, it was just more balanced. That's right. I mean, I got
0: to two of them first, and then the middle one. I think you got to first, yeah. but um, you managed to take one off me, and I managed to take the other one off you. So, and it was—it seemed like it was constantly twirling and fro as to, especially this middle objective, that I had it for most of the game. But there were about three or four times when it was really getting close to me losing it.
6: Yeah, yeah, it was like. Just Galadriel,
0: <laughs> like they can go, they're winning fights. Well. Yeah, fight five is just brutal against my Minasirith. But Jamie, a, a cracking game. It was, like you say, it was a six-five victory in the end, but a very narrow one. Only just broke me in the last turn, and yeah. um, so uh, and only just um, killed the Denethor. So you did a cracking job in the last turn. Really, really turned it around yeah. from being what would probably have been a six. 6-3 or something like that yeah. to a 6-5 to a so killing you, hearing helped as well yes so yeah with the pure. that was quite quick as well he, he, you got him really early on but yeah. either way Jamie cracking game and it does mean that I move up to the tables and you stay down here on table 12 sadly. I'm going to be
6: with the people I'm going to have a laugh
0: <laughs> you'll have the last laugh <laughs> yeah and, and another pint as well I'll get you one for the minute Aye, right, cheers mate cheers thanks for the game End of game three of of Dice and Men uh, and I've got Will Champion here who is not only the ringer for the tournament but also the organiser Hello Hello, hello Hello, hello, hello So first of all, we'll chat about our game in a second but um, I want to talk to you a bit about Dice and Men because this this was a very attractive tournament to me because it's such a high points value First of all, why did you want to do a 1250
4: point tournament? Because no one ever does it Everyone always likes to do small events and that bores me immensely um, i say with a caveat of last year our event was 500 points but that was because we also did the masters so we had like logistically um, but ripon has always been at least a thousand points with the exception of last year just because you don't see it very often um, and i like the idea that you can bring all of the coolest toys out um, put them all on the table and also if things go a little bit wrong and something big dies it's not game over you know you can take a balrog at this points level and if he dies you've still got a lot of army to play with and i like that
0: yeah, I think that's what's what, And what what's been really interesting is uh, just having a chat with people before the tournament is people having a think about how how what is strong at this level because just having an Aragorn King LSR or whatever isn't enough. Just having a Balrog isn't enough. You've got no, to be thinking about lots about. of different stuff.
4: Yeah, if anything, the more important thing is the secondary. You know, what, what you spend the rest of your points on, what are you going to... What are you going to take to keep Aragorn alive, or you know, help Boromir out? Um, and that's arguably more important than who the big hero you're going to take is.
0: Yeah, so my big hero is Denethor.
4: Yeah, he's a legend. That's what yeah, I like.
0: obviously an absolute combat monster. Um, but you, you, we've just played our game. I brought the, the four siege engines. What did you think? And and what do you think of the pool of uh, the fact that actually there are quite a lot of siege engines here?
4: What I like, um, and it's probably a reasonable reflection on the rules, is people have either taken lots of siege engines or no siege engines. Um, And I think that's more to the fact that there's so many points available. Uh, Jasmine made a comment, uh, because she's got two trebuchets in her list, and she was like, at this many points, it's a no-brainer. There's no reason not to take at least one or two, because for the points they are. And they they fulfil a very specific role, and they're they're perhaps, in certain scenarios or against certain armies, are completely wasted, and that's fine. But in that one game where you drop a rock on a general's head and kill him outright, why you know why wouldn't you ever take it? And I think that's really cool. Um, the triple iron hills ballista is pretty disgusting, uh, but now that they're 125 points, it, it it feels more reasonable. I know because Ryan Hinch has brought three of those, um, and he, his model count isn't particularly high. So you know you do pay the pay the price for it. Yeah. Um, in this event, it, it's green allies or legendary legions only, um, just to sort of make it. Um, more themy, and everyone's sort of taken that on board and done really well with it. Um, so you're not going to get any horrible mishmashes. But generally speaking, the armies that can bring siege weapons and decent siege weapons have then got their own drawbacks to balance them out. And you know, you know, you've got uh, you've brought a hell of a lot of siege engines, which is a terrifying prospect to play. But then, authority generals, so, you know, there's a concession there. And if mm. you'd have you brought Gandalf the White as a, a top tier hero, but if you'd have brought perhaps. Um, Boromir as your general or something like that you'd have even less models and yeah you know, th- there is always the trade off
0: yeah that was the trade off for me my army I, I sort of thought well I really want to get the Siege of Gondor theme into there uh, for starters so uh, I don't really want to drop any major heroes like Boromir or you, uh, King Elessars or whatever in it yeah. but actually Gandalf's good but he's and he kind of can work with the Blinding Light and stuff like that but I found so far he hasn't done very well As we'll have a talk about in in our game So first of all you're you're playing with uh, What kind of army
4: as a ringer? So as a ringer I've just brought the uh, Helm's Deep Legendary Legion again Um, I wasn't supposed to be ringing um, And unfortunately someone dropped out last night And I I basically picked up The case that was packed which was all of my Infantry Rohan Um, I put the Rohan Warriors on the table And then went okay what heroes can I bring to make that 12.50 and it turns out it's all of them (laughs) So, (laughs) So who knew yeah, yeah, you've got quite a lot of heroes, L- literally all of the, all the new, including the new 4 World models, the Haleths
0: and the Haldors and King's Huntsmen as well, all that sort of stuff. It's a cool army, it's a really cool army. Um, and I, I, I didn't really know what to do against it either, I, I, other than just fire trebuchets, but they kept missing.
4: Yeah, your dice were among the poorest I think I've ever seen. Uh, the amount of ones on the scatter, it was was painful. It, it was, because I, I, here's me
0: expecting, right? okay, yeah, I'll hit, at least hit the fall guy every turn, but most of the time I wasn't even
4: getting that. No, unfortunately not. Um, I mean, as you just mentioned, that uh, I'm a, a siege veteran uh, myself, so I know what siege weapons can do, and mitigated that quite well. But as you said, he, even if you were just taking out the four guy every turn, it, it would have had a bit of an impact, um, and he just missed so many times. And there's nothing he can do. Um, I think it also helped in in our matchup that we had a similar model count. I had a lot more might points. Uh, but the, the army bonus that I get for the, the extra bow range meant I could stand out of range of your some of your things and, and sort of put shots on which made a little bit more pressure on you so you couldn't sit on the board edge until I was nearly broken and then sort of come back. It uh, made it a little bit indecisive for you I think, It you know, just... Uh, puts a spanner in the works.
0: Yeah, that's, I really didn't know what to do and I, I definitely made a number of mistakes because of that because I kind of thought, well, you've got an arrow going on a third in there. Well, how do I deal with them? I, so I charge them in and I sort of thought, well, I'll throw some people in to tie them up a bit but leave my, the majority of my stuff ready laying back, including my knights a bit further back in the field in the hope that I'll catch them in a turn's time but instead I just kept sort of feeding you guys until i had almost nothing left and you could swamp them and heroic combat off them and kill everything
4: yeah it, it was a, it was a little bit um as you said sort of non-committal you wanted to sort of maybe hold off and, and feed a few things and then i don't really know that either of us saw it coming but then out of nowhere i was completely on top of you and it, it was the same on, on for the listeners the best i can describe it on the opposite flank there was gimli and maybe eight or nine warriors against in and a, and a band of dudes the dudes and Turing went in and hit like an absolute steam train. But then Haldir and a couple of other boys swept over to that flank instead because you'd not committed and then had committed. And then out of nowhere, I had two warbands on your one. And then from that, it all sort of fell apart a little bit. Mm. Um, but it, it, it comes to the dice rolls. If you'd have killed maybe twice as much as you did, which would have been you know completely reasonable ask in the shooting... It would be completely different. I, I pretty much had a whole army to walk uh, your piecemeal bits from how you were trying to outmanoeuvre me. And if it had, you know, on a different day, you'd have smashed me, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like to think that that's the case. I I, I did make some major mistakes, and I, I get that. And I didn't really... I'm, I still haven't quite used Gandalf in the way that i wanted to use him in this list. I haven't been able to properly compel stuff. The one cha- one thing I did try and compel someone once... Uh, and you spent all your might for Theoden because you just got so much might it did not matter yeah. to, to bump up that one will and I was thinking oh if you throw three will at this this is great you might get it you might not but I don't mind but cleverly you use one will and then spend all your might because you know you're going to keep getting more
4: of that so w- well done there but
0: Gandalf just keeps keeps kind of not quite doing what I want him to do
4: I think the problem with Gandalf is it's a, a huge chunk of points for a Swiss army knife um, and because He's, you pay so many points for him and you expect him to do... You need him to do so many things that people often don't focus on what they need him to do. So because he's got two attacks, three on the charge, people are like, okay, well, I need to get him into combat because he's 240 points and he's, he's really good. And then other people are like, you know, his spells are really good, so I'm not going to put him into combat because I need to be able to cast magic. And it's about towing that line. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what the perfect use of, of Gandalf is, um, but... It, it makes people indecisive, I think, a lot of the time because they, they don't know how to use him or how best, you know, to get the points back out of him. Yeah,
0: I think I, I think that's problem. Generally, indecisiveness is uh, is probably the, the big idea. But actually, you're right. I, I think if I'd have had two scalpels to continue your sort of analogy, two scalpels rather than one uh, Swiss Army knife, I might have been better off that way. Maybe with two. Yeah. better average, average to middle heroes
4: in, in that list maybe because you could all of the heroes of my side are on foot. Mm. And no one's got any huge killing power really, apart from Gimli, and it, you know even that's limited. And so if you'd have had say uh, Boromir, Faramir, and and Hurin, and just. Absolutely, blown them into the troops. You'd, you'd have, you know, yeah. yeah, I've got the really good heroes, and my heroes might get the better of your heroes afterwards. But the damage is already done, then, especially in an objective scenario like Hold Ground, and then you've got a lot of really high defense guys, and you know, it, maybe it would have been completely different. In the end, it was twelve nil. Um, I,
0: I kind of, just because my line just slowly dissipated. That you did easily triple me. You had had Hurin and you had Denethor. It was all, it was all said and done. But. I
4: really appreciate the advice and the help on this one. And thanks for arranging a tournament where you can bring three trebuchets, a bolt thrower and Gandalf. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. Again, it's a pleasure to see so many different armies. The the variation is insane. Um, And also the amount of people that like to play these big games, so we don't often get the opportunity. So it's nice to sort of do something different. They are bloody tiring, aren't they? They are very (laughs) tiring. I'm shattered,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, toing as well as playing two, three, two and a half hour games, I don't blame you.
4: Thanks very much for for talking to me, well. Thank you very much. Cheers.
0: Game four, first of day two here of Dyson Men. And uh, it's the 1,250 points of trebuchets and all the other goodness in my army against a ludicrous amount of Urukai with uh, Tom Kemp here. Tom, um, how many Urukai do you have on the list?
2: Uh, well, 74 plus
0: four ox. <sighs> That's a
2: lot. <laughs> just a few.
0: Yeah, it's just a few. So, uh, first of all, uh, just give us a bit of a rundown of what you've actually got on those with the Urukai. Well, it's Azagad minus Saruman, basically. So, you've
2: got all the Uruk heroes, you've got. Lert, Ugluck, Rasku, Maher, Shaku, and a captain, and then there's just as many boys to the bring.
0: Yeah, so you've got quite a lot of scouts you had a drummer as well, you had uh, a, the, a few wild riders as well so a lot of mobility which proved very useful in this scenario even though, well. uh, even though actually in some ways it, it, I think it would have been more devastating if, it, if you hadn't had the move and so my trebuchets basically have, haven't performed very well on day one they did perform well here.
2: Around 30 models they killed was it? It was brutal (laughs) It it wasn't just the killing It was the fact that It knocks everybody down Mm. So then I sort of attacked you In sort of dribs and drabs And didn't really get to engage fully I think So I couldn't bring the numbers to bear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I left one trebuchet in the left-hand side corner, the bolt throw in the middle, and then two um, in a weird bit of terrain on the right-hand side of my battle line, which basically gave them a little wall surrounding them. Yeah, I was, I was never getting to those ones. Sorry? I was never getting to those two. No, so. it, it was it was unlikely. But I castled up in a way that meant that um, your fast stuff was on the side that was going up to the one on its zone, and I thought, oh, this is the way to do it, because this means that you're probably going to go for that, cause, and then it'll leave the fast stuff to arrive a lot yeah. later. But... Those marching urukai though, that was insane. The first turn, I think, was at 12, 15 inch move or something.
2: Yeah, 12 inches from the drum in the march on the main battle line, and then Shaku and Maho with the marauders and the wild riders, they go pretty far down that one side. My hope was for them to take out that trebuchet, then join up with the rest of the line. But by the time the the, the other trebuchet shooting at that mob of guys knocked them all down, so that increased the time that it took for them to get to the main battle line, mm-hmm. which was key.
0: Yeah, and that was that was absolutely key. And also the bolt thrower and spattering a few shots into the main line and the start I think I took off a couple of wounds and some fate off alerts I took out some key key figures early on and again it was the disruption cause wasn't it yes it it was I think if it was just two lines
2: meeting it would have been fine but it was obviously the kills mainly it was the knocking down the knocking down just ruined me
0: yeah absolutely yeah and, and as we say about almost a third of your army was d- killed by the trebuchets alone and then, then of course I've got frustrating things like Gandalf going nah Lurts, you're not doing anything yeah thing. I think Lurtz was on the ground every turn yeah. he got a fight normally once I think yeah so it was either being sorceress blasted or commanded but then th- those Uruk heroes are so powerful With people like the Vrascus and the and Mauher and stuff they're just so Didn't difficult it? to command I mean Faramir just completely screwed up every single time against them just because it's high fight and I, couldn't, I had one chance that I, sh- I thought, I've got, like, I had about five guys, Faramir in there, and I thought, oh, okay, I, maybe I should strike, but actually, I, if I win this, I'll kill him, and I'll move on. So I decided to throw combat, which is a bad move. Yeah, with, with them both being fight five, I had the choice between the strike and the combat. Mm.
2: So it was, it was a 50-50. Yeah. He, had, he had a lot of guys in with him, but as soon as Rasko rolled that six, it was he just knocked them all up
0: yeah it, and, it was, and then of course you won that one as well and you didn't do anything with it but it, no, crucially no. It, was a, it was a roadblock and I really wanted Faramir to win that one get some might back go into alerts, and then I thought I'd, I'd, I'd have it because I had I'd just lost momentum bouncing with my knights off Faramir i, had, I still got a few knights scattered around but another thing the trebuchets did is
2: they didn't let me deploy and shoot mm. so I've got a lot of crossbows on the list and the, the idea is to make people come to me mm. but when you've got three trebuchets I don't have that luxury mm. I've got to come to you so that was another reason they were a good take
0: yeah, and, and the downside, of course, with your, your um, guys, they've got pikes and tre- uh, and bolt f- uh, sorry, uh, crossbows, so it means that they've got minus one supporting. I, I
2: was debating before the event: either you make your crossbows the front rank and their defence five, but fight normally, or you make them the back rank and they can have a pike and a crossbow. But obviously, they're at a minus one, mm. so it's, it's a trade off. I chose this way, I think I chose wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think certainly for this matchup, it, that, that was the downside because although you had the higher fight majorly, I had enough fight four scattered around in spur supports that balanced that out. And then, of course, your support with a minus one, it just gave me that yes. little edge, I think, a lot of the time. So, and I was quite lucky. I think I did get a lot more kills in combat than I really should have done with strength three against your defense six. I don't like to blame dice, but I will say
2: it was. It, I, I do think that happened but it, it, it definitely happened
0: well, there's no, you don't the, need to be polite it <laughs> definitely happened you definitely
2: played to allow the dice to help you I will say that so.
0: I think I, I, I will say I, I, yesterday I was, I was at the end of my last game yesterday I was a bit demoralised because I knew I'd played it badly and I knew I was annoyed by it I, I definitely think I capitalised on the luck that I had here yes. and in particular the, the first turn getting three hits with the trebuchet which was great because it made up for the yesterday's disasters <laughs> but it's not great for you obviously but um, those those actually made me think yeah Okay, I was right. Bringing three trebbers, they they can potentially do stuff, and then they continue to do what I wanted them to do, yeah. which is Look, crucial.
2: Luck will never win you a game, but it allows you to
0: capitalize on good play. So, and that's what you did. Yeah, I, well, I, thank you very much. <laughs> Nobody's ever said I'm a good player before, so I, I'll take that. Um, but either way, did you when you first saw it? Did, what, what did you think? Like three trebbers, is this going to be a difficult thing to play? Well, with the mission, I thought starting on the middle line with
2: the drum and the march. I thought I can be in his face quickly, but crucially, they all hit on turn one. And I think if that had been reversed and it all missed, I think he'd have been in big trouble. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was literally that first turn of shooting yeah. that, that was very important.
0: Yeah, because not only did they hit, you, you hadn't really spread out very much. So no. the, the first turn, I think the second turn you left some guys back to do things. With this model count,
2: it's very hard to spread out. Yeah. I've just got to commit.
0: Yeah.
2: And like I said, it was all on whether the trebuchets were going to perform
0: turn one. Yeah. Well, and and they they did, and of course it meant in the end I think it was a seven-nil victory to me. And yeah. once you collided with me, you ended up killing a lot of guys. I think it, what was it, thirty some, thirty-three? I think wounds you took I off, think, including a trebuchet of five wounds, of course. I think with another hour, I could have turned it around. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. you would have done. <laughs> There's no because ch- once once the lines have clashed, I can't shoot into uh, combat or anything like that. And my heroes are just so much weaker than yours. The, the points value
2: is very challenging at this time, if you know. So you've only got two and a half hours to play this many points, and it's it's definitely a new challenge for me mm-hmm. playing. Quick enough to complete your plan.
0: And especially when you've got 70 miles to move and and there's complex things like trying to uh, plan for trebuchet yes. blasts and all that sort of stuff. So Well Tom, either way, uh, well done. I think that puts you down to table. Let's not mention it. Just just wanted to point it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I have been there, we'll we always you you bounce back. You bounce back. I'm sure you will. Well good luck in the next game no, for so
2: you're
0: so game five of uh, Dyson Men and I've, uh, it's been a bit of an interesting one it's a bit of a civil war that's broken out uh, in Minas Tirith um, I, Denethor has uh, tried to overthrow Aragorn King Elessar so uh, something's gone wrong in our timelines but playing Matt in game five and Matt first of all just to explain a bit more about your
3: list what have you got in your epic Minas Tirith combination? So in my list I've got Boromir um, King Elsar, Hurin and Gandalf the White it's um, some would say an illegal list, but they would be wrong. Um. Well,
0: not for this, not for this tournament. This is the last time such a list will be eligible. Um, after the FAQ nuked um, some very thematic lists and some filthy lists, just like yours. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm intrigued because if, if you're thinking about talk, uh, the FAQ and the,
3: all the things, what do you think of the FAQ? Um, I think it's for the best. It doesn't make sense any. It doesn't make any sense. The reason I've done this list is because I already had a lot of the. Uh, I already had a lot of the army, um, and my friend said, "Let's go to this twelve fifty event." I was like, eh, "I don't really want to do it," but I thought, "I'll, I'll pop our I'll pop um, a, in involved." I've got twelve fifty points. So, but FAQ really good. Um, definitely thematic, but. Disappointing for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and there obviously other other parts of the FAQ not so uh, not so good. Generally, in terms, of, you know, the Fortitude Valor thing is a bit confusing. But uh, anyway, so when you saw the the board, you saw that I've got three trebuchets, the bolt thrower, uh, the Gandalf for the white
3: uh, with the blinding lights and things like that. What what did you think? I'll be honest. The before the before the game, I said the one thing I don't want to play in this match was three trebuchets or two trebuchets from uh, Jasmine and. <laughs> when I saw them, I was a bit not demoralised, but like I thought it's gonna it's gonna be on like cause I've got the two back objectives, and I knew you'd just be able to shoot them off if I didn't have Gandalf there. So it was a bit worrying, but I thought that with blinding light, I might have a chance. But
0: yeah, yeah, it, it's a yeah. tough one with the blinding. And to be fair, Gandalf basically did just sit right there in the middle uh, for most of the game uh, between the two objectives, making sure that that you had uh, blinding light on a, a big big circle, big circle yeah. and and I. The, the first turn went quite well for my shooting, and I rolled a double six to hit, which which was a bad start.
3: For you. Yeah, I took all my mounts off, I believe, apart from Hurin's. Um, took Gandalf off, took uh, Boromir off, and took Aragorn off the horse, which was an absolute nightmare. Killed in the first few turns, I think he killed about ten guys, and at that point I was just like, oh oh no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lose everything here. Um, but yeah, really brutal. But turned out. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we ended up with a draw. We ended up with a three-all
0: draw. Now, just to explain, this is a domination variant in which, uh, you, you rather than capturing the objectives, you have to hold the objectives at the end of each turn. So, each turn you get one point for um for being on each objective if you've got more people on the objective and whoever is either double or triple or or single you you end up with the variance so, and i think that really helped you here because um you managed to you managed to take those two objectives it might have been different had had it been a different kind of domination. yeah you? Uh,
3: yeah absolutely i think it was i think i quite i quite like the variant though i quite like the difference in um, how it works because it does mean that it's a progressive thing I mean if it was the other way I think I would have just lost mm. straight up because there's no way I was going to be able to just hold more objectives than you and I think if the game had gone any longer in the older, on the old way I would have lost it but um, I, do like, I do like the change to it in this, in this event it's really good I think the, the the thing I, I was always going to struggle with here
0: is that I want to stay back to an extent because I want to be lobbing rocks at you for as long as I possibly can So, I'd, and I don't want to be moving my line straight into the middle to engage you because otherwise... Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to get the benefit of having three rocks dropping every turn. So, And I think because of that, you managed to just about push close enough to the objective to make it really difficult for me. The other thing that made it really difficult for me was that you had the fight value advantage with Boromir and his yes, banner. Definitely. And certainly late, in the late game, that, that, that made you win way more fights and just managed to push me off. Maybe not always killing, but pushing me away from the objective.
3: Yeah, I do think a big part of the game was actually when you trebuchet um, a a, um, the unit on an objective and I managed to scatter it onto a large majority of your men on the left-hand side over there, um, which took a large chunk of your army out of the game, um, which would have pushed forward and potentially taken those two objectives if, if that hadn't happened. Um, so that was a massive benefit to that. Um, but it was overall a really, really good game, a really close game. And it was really fun. Um, yeah, that, that, that trebuchet causes so much disruption, causes so much confusion
0: and changes the, the dynamic. And, you know, hitting, I think it was three hits on Huron there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily all of them scattered away for you, obviously. Um, but it meant that a lot, some of them or most of them landed near, in or near combats, which just disrupted everything, as you say. And at the very least, slowed my guys down. It killed yeah. quite a few of your guys. Yeah, it killed a couple of my guys, not as many. But it slowed them down and they
3: couldn't then capitalise on their position. At, at first, when I, when I, the amount of men I was losing, I was actually going for... You want, I, want, I wanted you to kill as many of my men as possible try and break me much faster and try and get me to that 25% much faster so then I would win on points because at, at that point I was up on points and I was holding that middle objective so I did have more points than you so my goal was that but when we hit in the middle and I started killing a lot of men with Aragorn and I think the big point of it is I've got a lot more men than you because you've got twelve like 9 men on the ballista or... Yeah, Um, yeah, 12
0: 12 guys as siege veterans and troops. Exactly.
3: So, Um, so that's 12 men that I don't have to fight, which you take off the trebuchet, but then I'm still fighting with a higher fight value. So, I I generally do win the middle with that Aragorn and um, Boromir and stuff like that. So, it was. It was good. It was a really good game. Really, really good. interesting. Matt, a draw, three all. So actually, no. not, not neither of us are looking too bad then. I know. I know. Very good. It's very good going into the last game now.
0: It'd be really interesting to see where we end up. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, I can see the movement around us, so we best get on. But thanks for the game. Thanks. Yes. Mate. Thank you. Final game of Dyson Men, and uh, I'm playing against the Indomitable. Ryan Hinch, hello. Thank you. Well, yes, well, yeah, in, indeed, and the result of the game shows that I think the last time we played uh, was also a similar sort of result, but
1: let's say it first, take take us through what, what you've got in your 1250-point army. So I've gone for pure Iron Hills, straight from the film. So I've started out with Dane and his warband of goats, so I've got 12 goats, one with a banner, I've got two Iron Hills captains on foot, with 20 boys on foot, just to give them some reinforcements, and I've got three Ironhills ballistas, just to have a bit of a laugh with.
0: Which is always good fun, yes. Uh, so, so you've kind of gone with a similar sort of idea as as me, having going going hard on the siege weapons. I guess that's the difficult thing about this. Um, t- points on it is it's very rare that we play it but i guess it's a nice thing because we can try something new
1: yeah you don't you don't get to see that many siege weapons on the table usually and also with the big heroes it, it's a good dynamic it makes the games more interesting mm. makes it a lot more to think about
0: yeah the, te- the tactical decisions and things like spreading out and the stuff that you don't often have to think about and then just having numerous ones of these usually usually you can rely on a ballista or whatever to hit once or twice but here we're getting lots and lots of hits yeah. over the course of the game
1: yeah over the course of the game you're Hitting what 10 15 times, so you've got to really plan it if you're trying to like mitigate against it, as such. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and did you think, oh, Kaiki, you've got a lot of trebuchets when you saw them? I did. I thought, what, what kind of game is this with six trebuchets on the table? <laughs> yeah. thought, kind of madness.
0: But actually, because of the way this, this um, scenario was, this was an unusual uh, deployment. I'll try and explain it. There's a, a two six-inch blocks in the middle that are 24 inches wide that our generals deploy in on the opposite side of the board. So uh, we're kind of coming up behind each, each side. And it's, it's quite an unusual scenario, and especially with, when you've got these siege engines involved. It
1: is. And the siege engines make it interesting with the Now game. But I think largely they didn't impact the, the way the game Was played in a sense because I was only shooting at your siege engines and you weren't really getting to shoot yours back so Mm. the actual fighting in the middle was largely unaffected by the siege engines which which is interesting because normally it dictates the play yeah absolutely yeah usually you're saying come to me or vice versa Uh, and this
0: time there was there was a block of people in the way that meant that you couldn't actually do that and but You chose to shoot at the crews of my siege weapons, which made sense you had the heroic shoots. Uh, I chose to shoot at the troops of your Iron hills that were walking slowly on from your board edge. Do you think that was the right decision on
1: my behalf? Uh, I reckon so, because of the the placement of my heroes and my engineers on my ballistas, it's quite hard for you to prevent me from shooting. So unless you get really lucky and you kill every single time you shoot then it probably does make more sense to actually mm. shoot targets that are more damaging to you. Okay. We'll move on to the, the actual scenario, because there's there's quite a lot of um, intriguing objectives
0: here, because we mentioned the unusual deployment and the blisters firing and the tre- trebuchet's firing, but actually the the bulk of the what was happening was, did you kill my vanguard, which is Denethor and his guys, yeah. or did I kill
1: Dane and his goats? And that, was, that went
0: quite a lot more surprising than I expected, actually. Well,
1: when I came to the table against you, I thought this is going to be quite easy, I thought, because I thought I'd just charge in the goats and Dane and just sort of smash up Denethor and it wouldn't really pose much of an issue but he actually proved to be quite sturdy Mm -hmm. and then your knights that you had as well led by Faramir, they got up the board relatively quickly, which was more difficult for me to deal with, because my dwarves were two or three turns later, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's what it is. So the first turn you took out probably half of the Vanguard at least. Yeah. Uh, Dane, did he only managed to kill one or something? I don't know whether you did heroic combat or something. No, he,
1: he failed his combat in the first turn. That's right. And then the following turn I then engineered space for him to go into Denethor. So I can get rid of Denethor. But that's largely irrelevant again because I had to kill Hurin, mm. using your force, to get the VPs for that. So he, there's a lot of stuff going off in this scenario where you've got to target different models from different areas to actually gain vps so you've got to track where they are and it got to one point where we were both protecting our vanguard quite well where we'd hidden them so it was actually quite a, a slog to get through yeah because i mean get slogging through minister and,
0: and iron hills i suppose is, is hard enough as it is but your goats were running away so i was very, struggling to tag them down and i was just hiding my like three or so minister of warriors at the back because actually i didn't really mind that they were back back because i couldn't because I had more, more guys than you in general, it was hard to bring them all to bear anyway, so it's fine having a few. But um, like you say, the, the cavalry charge, when, uh, when Faramir came in charging valiantly with the knights, they, they wiped out about five or six at least of those goats. So it really started turning the tide, and I thought, I might have it here for a second.
1: Yeah, well, it, they, they not necessarily just killed them all. They pre- prevented me from killing your vanguard, where I had you in a, a predicament where they were pinned, so you essentially saved them from their fate and mm. also got the kills out of that as yeah. well. Gandalf was good as well, he, he helped with that, he killed a couple goats and harassed Dane enough that it meant that he wasn't running around like a madman every single turn.
0: Yeah, I, I, one, one thing you did mention afterwards was, did I uh, did I play it right, should I have just gone with only Gandalf um, magicking, because eventually when I did run out of might, which was inevitable, especially when you've got Master of Battle and all that sort of stuff, um, the... I was stranded and I kind of, once I lost a few priorities, I, he, he managed to not have any magic and that's when Dane really started churning through stuff. Do you think I should have played him more reservedly?
1: I think so, especially at the start, to try and control the flow of the game. If you can maybe control Dane so that he's not killing the vanguard units because they're the ones that you're trying to protect and he's the most likely to be able to mm-hmm. kill them. And then maybe once they're safe, then you can maybe then throw Gandalf in to try and kill but as you said, you had the numbers advantage, so you shouldn't really have needed Gandalf to kill. But he did pull his weight when he got in there. So yeah, I mean, he killed say.
0: quite a few ghosts, didn't he? So yeah, it's not too bad. But um, I, I spoke with Will about this uh, at the at the end of, uh, of earlier on in the podcast about how difficult someone like um, uh, uh, how some how difficult someone like Gandalf is to use because he's so expensive and he's yeah. so versatile. I almost find it's like. I don't know what I should be using him for. Should I be using him just for combat because he's got yeah. two attacks? He's strength five, fight five, five. That's pretty good. He's got a strike, but also
1: his magic. It can really shut down people.
0: So, <laughs>
1: how would you go strike that balance? I think it's hard. It just obviously depends on the opponent, I guess, and what their threat mm. is to you, and how you are going to best use Gandalf. I think in the instance in our game, he would have been better in a magic sense than in a combat sense. Mm. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I guess it's a matter of actually
0: taking your mind out of things and going. Hold on a second. What? What is the best value of this, this model right now? Is it is it in killing a goat or two, which I did, and fair enough, I did that, that helped, or is it shutting down someone from killing l- numerous of my guys? And I guess the latter is probably the right, right yeah, choice. Yeah, that's right.
1: I'd agree, but I don't, I don't think what you did was a bad play. It was just there was maybe there's a more optimal.
0: More, more, optimal, more and, optimal, and yeah,
1: and that's the, the key word in these sort of situations, is optimising
0: everything, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, in the end, um, it, it came down as a 12-0 on your side. I mean, I don't feel like that's particularly reflective.
1: No, I think that, that doesn't justify the, the way in which we played on the table. I think that you were, it was closed for a lot of it, and there was actually stages when I thought that you were going to run away with it But just because it was a bit of a grind Mm. and your guys don't kill my guys as easily as my guys kill your guys, eventually it slowly started tipping. And it it always happens. It gets to a tipping point and then it just snowballs. Yeah, it
0: really did snowball on the last turn or two, didn't it? Uh, uh, Yeah, you've got the fight four more everywhere rather than just in smatterings like mine. And you've got the strength four everywhere, of course. And then sometimes you've got the defense eight. So, yeah, it, it was pretty big. And, of course, I didn't have any big heroes that really can... Do the work. Um, Faramir lost his horse quite early on. Huerin botched everything, and I think has done all get, all of the uh, tournaments, So, so it's been a, it was quite tough to actually have any hero to try and push through those lines. So, uh, Ryan, either way, in the end, Iron Hills were dominant. The three
1: ballistas did well.
0: H- h- how have you done throughout the
1: tournament? Uh, not as well as I thought I would have done, to be fair, with the ballistas. Because after everybody saying that they're OP or too good to play, it, whatever. But I won three games in the end, and. Lost four games, I think. Mm. Or might, might be the new way around, sorry. I think, yeah. I, I think it's I'm, three and three, isn't it? Because it's only oh, six yeah, it's three games. Three. Maybe that's why I'm getting confused, yeah. trying to think of all the games I've played. <laughs> yeah, so it was, I think yeah, three games lost, three games won. So mid table. But yeah. I've had fun. The army I brought was not to necessarily win games, it was just to have a laugh because it was something a bit different, a bit dynamic.
0: And I think ultimately that's why I like this kind of tournament where some, something specific has been changed. 1,250 points is rare. So it's, it's been a great one, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I'll definitely come back next time if it's the same kind of points. Brilliant. Ryan Hinch, thank you very much. Cheers.
0: So, the end of, the, uh, of Dyson men for 2020 and uh, a really interesting uh, lineup of, of of stars on the, the top, top few tables there at the end. Uh, Jasmine, technically coming third and uh, Jay Claire coming in second, but right at the top is the coordinator of the Great British Hobbit League, the boss, is Ali King himself, well done. Thank you. Ed. Thank you. Um, well, so, first of all, um, 1,250 points is always an unusual list because I guess we don't often see this. What, how did you approach it? um i basically
7: went this so each year i'm trying to take the same army throughout so last year i took all army of four unless i had to take an evil uh this year i thought i'll mix it up and go for Dwarven folk which are slightly different dwarves yeah yeah so the dwarves <laughs> still <laughs> but yeah, um and so i was like i'm taking Dwarven folk which essentially means uh i'm taking Durin when it's twelve fifty. because why wouldn't you uh, and then it, I've been liking
0: Vault Wardens because they look cool and they also turn out to be really good. Yeah, I really like Vault Wardens. I, I spent um, a lot, uh, quite a few games last year playing with Vault Wardens and I, I'd quite like to have a few more. How many do you have in this list? Uh, only eight. I was only? Gonna, yeah, I was
7: originally going to have about 20, but I realised I didn't have... 120 quid to spend on my
0: wardens yeah I think that's yeah. fair enough and what, what else was it made up by got, I guess you've got a king's champion in there I think it's so sort of yeah
7: so it's Duran uh, king's champion uh, Marden mm-hmm. and then two dwarf kings <laughs> uh, are the heroes so and then you've got about 12 iron guard 12 uh, 10 dwarf rangers with bows and throwing weapons 10 dwarf bowmen 8 or uh, dwarfs with shields and then 2 like kaza it comes to about 69 models, uh, three banners in
0: the list, two are the Heralds, and one's just hanging around for Duran. And that, because I, I, my instinct would be to go straight for Hearthguard, the, the Khazard guard that have got the Burley upgrade. Uh, why, why not those? Um, I, I think Hearthguard are good,
7: but the issue is because they have to go in Duran's warband, and it means that they don't get any support, and they're very expensive for the points they do. My army doesn't struggle to kill as it is, because the dwarf army bonus, I get to be rolled ones to wound. I've got a lot of strength force attacks. So usually, if, say, I've got a Vault Warden versus a Defence 6 model, over half the amount of time, if I win combat, I'll be actually killing that person. So do you keep the Vault Wardens always all together, or do you sometimes split them off? Um... Most of the time in this event, I kept them together. Uh, they usually just form the centre of the line, and then everything else just swarms in and sort of around the sides and does things.
0: And you've got quite a lot of bows in there as well, which uh, I've al- I've always sort of wondered: nah, do I really want to have bows in a dwarf army? I, I guess it's uh, there's an element of at least wanting people to come towards you that yeah. way. So um, I said the bows
7: only really came in handy in one game in theory. Uh, which was, I was playing Laws of Battle against uh, Barney, who had battle and a lot of goblins. But it basically just meant I could sit and dictate that he had to come to me, um, which is massively helpful. Thing with Dwarf Bowman is, even if they never shoot a shot, they're still Fight, uh, fight 4 and Defence 6 and Courage 4. They're still as good as most army sort of elite troops. Uh, and then the Rangers, I give them throwing weapons, because 3-plus throwing
0: weapons going into combat is actually pretty... You get quite a few extra kills. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and obviously at this tournament you're facing lots of big heroes, potentially with you know, lots of mounted big heroes, like your, your King Elisage, your Boromirs, you mentioned the Balrog, things like that. Durin, he's obviously a big hitter. How did you fare with the King's Champion and Durin against those big sort of uh, ch- uh, champions that you're meeting?
7: So, usually, I actually just limit the damage that they put out. I had a lot of. I outnumbered nearly all of my opponents with uh, dwarves, even though my dwarves are generally better in combat than they are. Which means that if I can just restrict their models, uh, their big scary models, to killing one or two and having to burn their might uh, a turn, it actually doesn't matter because the rest of my army. It's the troops that do the damage more mm-hmm. than the heroes do, and the heroes are just there just to keep it sort of in check and stuff like that. But just basically to yeah. to
0: the, the opposing heroes.
7: Um, yeah, sometimes it depends on what I face. Uh, it helps when you play people who uh, can't roll dice as well, which happened once or
0: twice. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'd imagine there must yeah. be some of that. But uh, the um, the other thing is that this one was quite. There's a few uh, scenarios that which were, had a lot of objectives that were mm. around and about or moving. So there was a recon, there was a domination that had a slight variance, so you yeah. had to. To try and hold as many objectives for as long as, long as you could. I've always struggled with uh, dwarves because of the move, and I feel like that, that's a bit of a downside. You clearly don't have that problem.
7: No, actually, the objective games are usually the ones I prefer. Um, I've got two marches on the two kings, so I've got four potential marches, which helps a bit. But because um, I've got enough dwarves, and also the dwarves don't need to fight in a al- lot, because they don't die, you can put one dwarf in against multiple opponents, you may not win the combat and kill it, but it means that you can move around and stuff like that. You've just kind of got to plan a few extra turns ahead and mm. sort of figure out. But usually I find that I like the movement ones, probably because people tend to underestimate how the dwarfs can get around
0: the board. Yeah, they can. Yeah, I certainly struggle to uh, work out how people are so mobile with them. And finally, there were a lot of armies, including my own, which had many siege engines. Did you come up against any and how do you manage that?
7: Uh, so my last two games I played Matt Light, who had two Mordor troll catapults. And um, re- Sauron Oh yeah, and Sauron <laughs> uh, He took the sever, uh, severed heads thing And generally speaking, um, didn't do that much uh, I I was pretty good at passing my courage test for them uh, But the people I played who had siege weapons, because they had them I massively outnumbered their army usually And it meant that, okay, I lose a few people before I get into combat But I've still got an extra 10 to 20 people once I'm in combat on you, which at that point the siege engines have lost their effectiveness because they can't
0: shoot into combat in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I found that you know, investing heavily in it meant that it really relied on a couple of turns of successful shooting, which sometimes it works, obviously, sometimes it really doesn't.
7: Yeah. Um, and it's part of the reason why I didn't actually take any ballistas in the end of my list is because
0: I just thought I'd rather have an extra... Six dwarves. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and finally, the, the, the 1250 is an unusual one. Uh, did you enjoy this kind of points level? Was it difficult to play? It's two and a half hours is quite a long time to be slogging up the board with dwarves.
7: Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I find, because uh, the more models you got on the board, the less likely one bit of bad luck is going to affect the whole entire game. Cause, and it, the average will sort of play out. It's also cool because we saw a lot of things that you don't normally see. So we saw Balrogs, Saurons... Free trebuchets, mm-hmm. um, and it was just really cool, and uh, the uh, army list restrictions meant that nearly every single list was themed, if, actually every list, I'm pretty sure, was
0: properly themed, and I, I really liked uh, the high points level, because it was different and new. Yeah, fantastic, and you're the league coordinator, so you're sort of the, the boss of the league, or sort of organise all this stuff, is that a complex role, what, what does it involve, sort of negotiating different people to arrange tournaments and points to a league? Um, so... At the moment, my main role is more I
7: oversee the management committee, who I get to do all the work that I can't be asked to do. Um, but uh, no, realistically, it's uh, it, it, it's sort of just uh, perspective TOs, explaining uh, how things work and stuff like that. And uh, just if anyone ever wants to run an event on that, you can either message me or any of the management committee guys, and then we can help you. We're hoping uh, to get some terrain to lend out for uh, prospective TOs because that's one of the hardest things about running an event is just sourcing all of like, the boards and the terrains and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good idea actually because I know when I did my first event in October last year, I spent sort of the, the weeks preceding it building lots and lots of terrain and I did manage to have quite enough to, to make fan- uh, fantastic uh, theme boards, but I still had to borrow some. Yeah, so um, well, basically, my job is I'm trying to make the
7: league better and easier for everyone uh, and hopefully we can grow it even bigger than it is.
0: Well, thank you very much for talking to me, Ali King uh, winner of, of Dice and Men and also the boss of the league <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much Cheers So there you go Well done to Ali King for winning the Kings of Men or of Dice and Men or you know what I can never remember the names of these tournaments of Dice and Men uh, was the name of the tournament where, by world champion Aaron Ripon So well done to Ali King uh, surely cementing his status as a hero of legend uh, already in the league after after a very uh, I think very strong performance in the first few few um Uh, first few tournaments of the league uh, in Cardiff and various other places as well so well done to to Ali King Uh, I say hero of legend, probably a hero of valour being a king of course uh, after that new FAQ change Um, quickly on that FAQ change, now I'm by no means uh, an an expert or uh, detailed knowledge of the game. I I know that the FAQ's been uh, very controversial, uh, some changes uh, in particular about the sort of inclusion of hero fortitude, allies being restricted. Um, I find that very frustrating in some instances because I certainly fancied doing some um, very thematic uh, army lists. Um, and I, I had the chance this weekend to just sort of I wouldn't say have a really in-depth conversation with uh, J. Clare the rules writer because um, he's hes you know he's off the job as it were on a tournament weekend so I, I know he doesn't like people asking him in-depth questions and, and sort of holding him to account in, the, in a way Um but I, didn't, I did sort of probe him slightly about about the FAQ changes and asked him, you know, I sort of mentioned oh, you know, I really want to do a, a, a Gildor and the Hobbits and some uh, Nolder an in Exile um, list, um, and now I can't do that because it's really sad. Um, and he, he sort of almost laughed it off and said, well, why don't you play narrative play a lot, and, and all that sort of stuff? And I said, well yeah, but I, I don't get a chance to play narrative play a lot because um, there aren't very many people in my area that play the game. Um, so, and, But he sort of, he sort of Kind of brushed it off in a sense and said, "Be patient, be patient." Was what I got. So I, I think there's a hint there that some of the FAQ changes either won't be permanent, or that some of the um, that some of the alliances that people mention are going to be helped out in some way, or I don't know. But either way, there's a sort of hint at uh, certainly a knowledge that the FAQ. Um, has affected things and um, not all to the positive that is exactly what he wanted but as we mentioned in the during the conversation uh, in one of the games earlier on um, that, you know weird lists like uh, Boromir and Aragorn um, fighting together uh, can no longer happen in a green alliance which is to some people is a bit annoying because they like to play what-if scenarios I certainly thought it'd be great fun to do a, a what-if um, sort of supercharged fellowship at some point with all of the Fellowship of the Ring um, people uh, in their sort of later iterations after the War of the Rings. So, you know, you've got your Gandalf the White instead of Gandalf the Grey. Uh, you've got your Frodo of the Nine Fingers rather than Frodo um, and all those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, Aragorn, King LSR and Boromir, um supercharged, I guess, maybe he'd be dead. But <laughs> still, uh, all of those sorts of things. I thought that might be quite fun at some point, but um, especially if it was a high points level like this. But uh, alas, no such thing. But I, it, So I guess... I would personally, I would, I have, there's a silver lining of hope for me in terms of the, some of the downsides of this FAQ being perhaps rectified. It's certainly an awareness um, from Jay and the Middle Earth team about some of the downsides anyway. So uh, that's always a good sign. Um, a couple of other housekeeping things. Um, I'm now a, an official member of the Great British Hobbit League committee committee. Um, to many of you that that will just mean absolutely nothing you probably won't give a damn um but it it basically I'm in charge of promoting the league itself now um I'm sort of uh, sharing out sort of some more information so the podcast going to get a few more teasers ahead to some of the things in the uh, in the calendar so tournaments um, which it can be very difficult to find um sometimes if you're not um, aware of the sort of links so at least there's a permanent thing so uh, from now on I'm going to sort of have a little bit of a rundown of, of tournaments, upcoming tournaments in the UK uh, obviously I would uh, love to shout out tournaments around the world um, if I know of them, do get in touch, let me know about your tournaments happy to always give them a shout uh, at Um but so for example in the next week or two um, this weekend, uh, so I should be this should be released on the the. F- 18th of February this podcast Um, so this weekend the 22nd, 23rd there's two tournaments Uh, there's the Battle of Borodur which is a very smart name um, in Borough I assume somewhere near Borough Market I guess in London um, run by Sam Palmer so uh, good luck to you Sam I believe that one's either sold out or very close to and the same with Blades of Sauron which is uh, in Salisbury in the UK uh, Becky Medeiros is hosting that one. So there are two tournaments. If, if you're nearby, uh, you can find them all on the links uh, on the announcement section on the Great British Hobbit League or in the calendar, um, which is all there. So have a look. Um, if you just search for on the Great British Hobbit League Facebook page, search search for my last post, then you should be able to uh, find, uh, find the run down basically. A couple of weeks time it's the GBHL Masters. Now this is a very exciting tournament. And um, because this is basically the top 10 or so people in the league, uh, they get together and have a knockout tournament um, and try and sort of cement their position. Um, obviously some players um although Will Champion won last year uh, the Great British Hobby League in general, and um, there's this idea that because some of them are from say the north, um, or the south or, or whatever so they might not all be able to necessarily play each other all the time so this time uh, they're going to all get together and fight it out, duke it out in a Masters Championship so it should be very exciting but there's a little bit of a twist this time because there's about, I think it's 12 12 Masters but then there's also going to be 12 noobs Uh, 12 non-masters who are playing in the tournament or some, uh, I think some of those non-masters are actually very good players Um, not me though, I'm going to be there and what's going to happen is those 12 are going to be uh, allying together for a doubles game on the first day or the second day, I can't remember which way around it is. either way, it's going to be really cool Um, I'm going to be teaming up with Ed Ball um, who I played her first in this tournament Um, absolute master of Rivendell Knights he he loves playing with his Rivendell Knights and uh, formerly, I think 7 or 8 g t um uh, various different wins over the sorry great british Hobbit League um, wins, and uh, for a long time it was either him or jay winning the uh, the great british Hobbit League so it'd be really interesting we 've had a bit of a chat and natter about what sort of armies we 're going to take um should be good fun I I'm, I'm really want to convince him to take something like Sauron or the the old ring raids. I really want him to take the uh, the Flying Circus that he used to take um, so I'll, I'm maybe going to try and convince him to play doubles with me um, and show me how his Flying Circus works the three fell beasts. but I think it's 400 points each side so we might have to fanny around with the uh, points limits for a bit so that's happening um, so I should have a podcast out sometime the week just leading up to the Great British uh, sorry the Grand Tournament at Warhammer World uh, I won't be at the Grand Tournament uh, basically timings uh, didn't work out for me this time um, uh, I missed the tickets and although i could have put myself on a a, le- a list afterwards um i, I, fi- I figured mm. I'm, I'm not that bothered. I'm going to be going to a concert that night in uh, Boston, so I'd have had drive back and forwards, and it'd have been late night and early starts and all this sort of stuff. Uh, plus, to be honest, the grand tournament's quite expensive. So, um, but I know it's a shame because I, I do love going to Warhammer World because there's a, a whole different crowd of people go um, to the Warhammer World tournament. So, um, good luck to you all of you if you're there. That's the seventh of March. Uh, you can be on a reserve list if you want as well. And then, uh, looking towards the end of March, there's the Battle of Bywall Soul, uh, which is. I don't 100% know where it is. I think it's near uh, Birmingham somewhere and uh, one in Stirling in Scotland um, on the 28th and 29th of uh, March. So looking ahead, that's the calendar uh, shaping up. Um, So there you go. Uh, That's a bit of a sort of look ahead to things. And I think that's kind of it uh, for this uh, this podcast. Uh, do get in touch about the riddles in the dark. Entmutpodcast at gmail It's only going to be a couple of weeks before the next one, so do uh, do get your thoughts in. Uh, and also uh, do keep an eye on um, my po- uh, my YouTube channel. There's going to be something pretty cool um, coming in the next two weeks. Um, for a long time I've been doing sort of bat- battle reports that just basically just a bit of fun for me really and just enjoying playing games locally um, with uh, with a few people. Um, irregular but at least I get something out on the channel and I know they're not particularly well produ- produced uh, battle reports um, they're sort of first person style so they can be a bit wobbly and all that sort of stuff which I know not everyone likes but at the very least there's some content if you enjoy that. Uh, so yeah do check out Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube for that um, and also I've done some other bits and bobs, and uh, doing some tutorials and things like that. So do keep an eye out for the YouTube channel on the painting. Um, I, I do some time lapse painting stuff, which is always great fun. Um, some people sort of really find it really relaxing, and uh, the sort of voiceover just slowly talking through um, what I'm doing. Um, but little quick small videos, so it can be quite fun if you if you're interested. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, is there's going to be something that honestly I'm really really happy to have done. And something that I've never seen on YouTube before, um, talking about in-depth history of the uh, the Lord of the Rings strategy battle game with someone who was absolutely essential uh, to starting the game. So um, I will reveal a bit more um, just ahead of when it's actually released, but it's going to be something that you're going to definitely be very interested in uh, doing and it's a video on YouTube Um, I could do the audio version but I'm going to stick it on YouTube because I've gone to a lot of effort to make it look really nice so um, it should be released in the next week or so so do keep an eye out for that on the YouTube channel and finally uh, if you fancy more content like this um, and uh, want to support the podcast um, help me get to tournaments help me uh, invest in new cameras and kit and stuff for the podcasts then please do uh, join me on patreon patreon is like a crowdfunding support thing that you pledge about a dollar or a pound or whatever it is a month um and you can support um support stuff which is always very exciting uh, for me it encourages me to get little bits and bobs like this uh this exciting thing i've got coming up in the video and there's also a few little exclusive things on there that uh you can help including a a sneaky extra podcast which is kind of teasing ahead to uh, the next podcast in a bit more detail Um, so uh, have a a look on the old Patreon see what there is there Uh, join it it's it's, you know just a little little something to help me along but if you don't don't matter I'm still going to do these podcasts for free uh, so don't worry um, I'm still going to do the YouTube channel for free anyway so don't worry about that but any, any support is appreciated because uh, it is quite time consuming and um, it can be quite pricey at times doing all the little bits and bobs but You know, every little helps. So, thanks very much for all of my current Patreons, and thank you very much to everyone who listens to the podcast and is tuning in, especially after this very, very long break. So, I look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, And in the meantime, uh, don't forget to uh, get in touch uh, on the Riddles and Dark and new podcast at gmail.com. And of course, boo-run.